0: The Power for about an hour. This town's about to rage a town, tearing into blood holes now. Power play through, power play through. Let this show be what it is. Power play through, power play through. Now we're
1: breaking down the screens. We're breaking down the voices. Hello, and welcome to Powerplay through, a nostalgia podcast. Coming to you from the gutters of Las Vegas, Nevada. My name is Dan, and coming to you high atop the penthouses of Las Vegas Boulevard is my co-host Freddie. How are you, my friend?
0: Doing just fine, obviously.
1: How's the view from up
0: there? Oh, wonderful. I can't see any of the you know. Do I have to say it? the
1: poor? You could you could say the degenerates. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to know, Freddie. How rich has podcasting made you? Oh, are you my God. are you White Butler rich?
0: I am approaching. Uh, right now is um who I have is uh of mixed ethnicity, but I made sure that he was about sixty percent uh white. Oh, you
1: got a mostly white, butler.
0: yeah, mostly white Butler. It's yeah. Hit the, the, his parents, they were they they were mixed, so it's it's getting diluted, right hmm. back down to the 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 pasty mayo of of the matter.
1: That's good. So That's so
0: good. It, you know we'll upgrade from here. We'll get just a blue eyed Aryan boy. He doesn't have to be a boy. It's not going to be a boy. It's going to be a grown man.
1: <laughs> hey. No, I mean. One day you'll have that little French boy you like working for you.
0: (laughs) Somehow. Frozen in time.
1: I know how we're only one day into 2021. Mm -hmm. Legitimately, we're eight hours into 2021, if everything's happened correctly with the posting of this.
0: (laughs) You never know. But it seems
1: like the year has been good to you so far, with your richness and your mostly white butler. Yep,
0: I haven't had to deal with any of the uh issues of the uh common man
1: that's good i don't that's know good.
0: I, you know truth be told i don't even really know the current ongoings i'm sure everything's fine
1: well we're all piddling over six hundred dollars it's incredible mm. i know that six hundred dollars is what you wipe with regularly but <laughs> it's just we're all fighting for it
0: <laughs> i just get you know uh this could have been you, Dan, if if you knew how to negotiate better.
1: Well, it was me until two men made a pittance of a bet for a dollar to change our, our standings. Yeah. You received my house, my wife, my mostly white butler. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> if you can't tell, we are talking today about the movie Trading Places.
0: Yeah, we figure we start the new year... Well, you know we're simple minded, so it's like what well, movies happen on New Year's, and
1: well, the idea for this month was New Year, New Me. Right,
0: right. That's that's a common saying. People have resolutions; they're changing shit up, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna attempt that with the series of episodes we're gonna bring to you, but in a more unorthodox fashion, I guess. We're gonna start at the. At the most grounded in reality of them. And then we'll get to the real ridiculous by the end.
1: Yeah, Freddy's uh, curated a nice list for us this month. It'll be really fun to put all these out and record them and uh, relive all of these movies. And
0: why this one is the most grounded in reality? Because the villain is the devil himself, which is rich, white, old men. Yes. In fact, I believe one just uh, just a few hours ago... Uh, struck down the bill that would have saw the working the working class uh, receive about two thousand dollars each. That that yeah. evil, evil turtle man.
1: Yeah. So uh, if you're living in Kentucky and you listen to this show, you have a couple of years, but uh, vote that peanut headed fuck out.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, um, he just looks like a wad of wet toilet paper. Yep he's just an yep. evil man. Evil fucking man. But yet, this, so it's it's very this movie this movie kind of becomes very poignant.
1: Let's move on to a little bit of lighter take on stuff. Like so it is the new year. It is the first. It's a time for resolutions. Did you make any this year, Freddie?
0: Uh I make the same resolution uh every year, which is just it's it's kind of generic sounding, but I make the same resolution every year which is to um, know more and to be better than I was the previous year.
1: So, that's a great resolution. Um, mine were a little bit... I, I wrote out a list of things that I want to achieve this year, and I don't want to call them, like, resolutions. It's just...
0: It's your goals. It's just? It,
1: yeah. And, like, some of them are real stupid. Like, I, I think that... I do want to promote the show. I want to get stuff over a little bit more. So I, one of my goals was to be more active on social media. And I started trying that. I'm going to fall short. I know I'm going to fall short. Because I hate social media.
0: manifest the double down to come back at KFC.
1: Yeah. Um, power Play through the main show will return in 2021. That is a 100% guarantee that I will give you. That is one of the resolutions. Mm-hmm. plus we got a uh, we got a couple of other well I've got a couple of other irons in the fire podcast wise that I'm working on when that invincible show comes out. you fucking better <laughs> believe that eight episodes are gonna be made <laughs> even if it's just me talking into the goddamn void I, think- I just rebought the whole series in comics, yeah yeah Ooh. uh yeah, what? Skybound was having a crazy sale on the the compendiums, yeah. And then I made a tweet about it, but you know the application, honey, that every YouTuber hawks at you that never saves you a fucking dime oh, okay. but harvests yeah, all your yeah, data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the first time ever, a coupon worked, and I've had that shit installed on my computer for two and a half years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you got, uh, you got in there, huh?
1: Yeah, both of the I. My mother saw that I that one of them was on sale on Amazon for 30 bucks, and it happened to be volume three, and I was like, oh, cool, thank you. What am I going to do with this? In my mind. Mm-hmm. I thanked her, of course. I was very grateful, but in my mind, I'm like, now I got to buy volume one and two. Fuck, these are $70 books. Yeah. And then I log on to skybound.com. They're 30 bucks, and then the coupon brought them down to 20 bucks, and I was like, oh, well, I guess I am getting all yeah. Invincible.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And I know you're, like, I mean, it goes without saying you're a big, big Invincible fan.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I think that I, from doing this show, I know that my memory does not serve me well. (laughs) So.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it would be cool to, so so it's going to be like, you're going to get something from us. You're going to relive your favorite series.
1: Yeah, my memory never serves me well, so like I am going to go nose deep into the Encyclopedia Invincible before, during and after each episode while I uh get ramped up to record that stuff.
0: Right. So you do like a read along with the watch along to kind of like, Yeah, see how it how it matches so, or whatever, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like, when that trailer dropped, and I know that I'm completely off trading places base, there's this uh, scene where Omni Man and Invincible are back to back playing catch by throwing the ball around the earth. Mm-hmm. And I saw on Invin- Invincible Twitter, people were like, I can't believe they're doing this scene, the back to back catch. Like, it was really cool to see. I have no fucking memory of that happening in the comic book, I have none. <laughs> So like when people were freaking out about it, I was like, "I, it's cool. I guess it happened."
0: Yeah. You got like a whole so, <laughs> and you got like a whole shelf full of invincible shit.
1: I do, I do, what? That's... And, but I did sell, I did sell all the comics because they took up a long box, and I hate long boxes. And now they're just three graphic novels on my shelf. So I have the series. I can refer to it whenever I feel confused. Right
0: so the that will definitely happen. We'll definitely get eight episodes from you. I may be along because it'll be like my first my first anything with Invincible, so that'd be fun,
1: yeah, and I think that we're gonna grab a couple of the heavy hitters from Twitter. I've already been in contact with them of Invincible Twitter, and uh I do have a long standing friendship with the the artist of most of the series, so. We will uh, probably have him on to talk a little bit about Invincible, awesome. but I know that he's not a big podcast fan because he's got a little bit of a speech impediment, Gotcha. so I'm not going to make any promises, mm-hmm. but we are going to ask him.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. I've been saying yeah, yeah, st- yeah a lot.
1: I I understand. <laughs> I understand. It's a sad time yeah. in our lives. Uh, You know, not to start the new year on a bad note, but we did lose probably one of the best workers in wrestling he was wwe's luke harper aew and every indie ever's Brody lee yeah. yeah, but uh he passed on us on on december 26th and i haven't been taking it well i don't know about you
0: no it hasn't been good man it hasn't been good but what's been nice is you know obviously the outpouring and everything that i see from both bray and um harper's uh little messages, God, those unzipped me. (laughs) Those unzipped me real bad.
1: Um I didn't get to see Rowan's message. Um but the what I was surprised about was how close he was to Big because Big E has made nothing but posts about uh he's just about he's just talking about uh, his life. Yeah. About John Huber and like what he meant to him as a friend and Things like that, and, like, you know, there isn't a single person in wrestling that has a bad thing to say about him. It's certainly- And, uh, it's it's- It's really unfortunate that we lost him.
0: Uh, it's... Like... oh, well, you know, we can keep going on and on about 2020, 2020, yeah, yeah, I mean, it just fucking sucks. And, but this one is, uh, couldn't- couldn't go out quietly, you know, um... This guy, I love my big men. I love my big men in wrestling. So, uh, you know, I was quite enamored with him, and he's definitely one of the best big men of this um, of this generation. And clearly, like, I mean, if you only know him from WWE, which isn't isn't an issue, by the way, you know, I think they mishandled him towards the end, as does a lot of people. But you wouldn't know him otherwise, for the majority of people, you know. I know, I certainly wanna. i I remember like seeing him in um a couple of PWIs. Yeah. Back when I would get those, back when I would get magazines in general. <laughs> but I would I would I saw him a couple times in PWI as like people to look out for and stuff like that. But it wasn't until WWE, where it's like Luke Hart look at this fucking, you know, giant, deranged looking man, you know, throwing out these sick discus lariats and stuff like that. But um yeah, I mean like Obviously um, we're talking about you know a comedy film and all that 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 on our s- s- silly little theme for the month but for sure want to give a quick just you know yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah 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 and you know what um watch his last match in aew the dog collar match with Cody uh, he'll go out He goes out the way a wrestler should, looking at the lights. But, uh, it sucks that he lost to Cody, but I understand
0: why. Yeah. It makes a a lot more sense now, man. I was pretty mad about the clean loss, but, um, clearly there, you know, you never know. You never know what's going on.
1: I know I have a favorite Harper match. Do you have a favorite Harper match to make, to let people watch, to make sure people watch?
0: Uh, let's see. Well, um... It probably has to be, uh, Shield versus Wyatt's. What was that 2014? Hell, was that Hell in a Cell or TLC?
1: TLC. No, it was Hell in a Cell T- because uh, my top Harper match is going to be Harper versus Ziggler ladder match at TLC 2015.
0: That match does not get fucking talked about, but that is truly like one of the best ladder matches in all of WWE. Like, fuck yeah. me, that's a match right there. But that 2014 Shield versus Wyatt's—I mean, I saw that at the Sam's Town. So you know, in a room,
1: we were there together. I think
0: in a you know room full of full of full of full of greasy full nerds, of full of greasy marks. Yeah, <laughs> and we got a projector, and we're just watching this. You know, we're not even there, but the energy of that room—that was like such a. They say that big match feel, this was everything. This was like the two hottest, like, groups in WWE finally collided. I remember just them, like, the the little tease up to it of them finally facing off just in the ring. Not in a match, just they're across each other in a ring. Here's the Shield, here's the fucking Wyatts. And just people chanting, holy shit, without anything happening. Because it just, yeah. And a genuine one, a genuine holy shit chant. Not one of those just, like, not one of those ones that are kind of, like, thrown out for the sake of hype, but this was, like, a genuine, we can't help ourselves. We gotta make noises like chimps right now because this is the coolest thing we've ever seen. That match is fucking incredible. Just, it is such the hottest fucking crowd. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Check it out.
1: Yeah both of those matches and his last match on AEW mm-hmm. are all uh, must watches yeah. and also like watch him win the title and just look up some dark order behind the scenes <laughs> stuff like that's that's freddy myself yeah. and our crew yeah. 100%
0: yeah it is it is truly <laughs> It's just a bunch. of... It's the boys. Yeah, it's the boys. There's boy moments throughout, man, and you could tell how much uh, fun everyone was having. Having and uh, you could tell how happy uh, Mr. Huber, Mr. Brody Lee, you could tell how happy he was doing that stuff. So, yeah, celebrate that man's life. You know.
1: I kind of feel like in wrestling, when you pass on, you're kind of in a like Fight Club. Thing like you get your real name back mm-hmm. when you go.
0: It 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 is a lot like that. Yeah, we the name um, John Huber will be it's forever. Yeah, so like it seems like they go into different places. John Huber's gonna stay stay with us. Mary, and those names, the Harper the Brody, they're gonna go on to the old wrestling Valhalla. You know, um,
1: and if AEW doesn't. Change their Wednesday slogan to It's Wednesday. Yeah. You know what that means. <laughs> Fuck you. <Yeah. laughs>
0: for sure. For sure. All
1: right. Well, it's Friday, and you know what that means. It's time for Trading Places here on PP. Trading Places is a 1983 American comedy directed by John Landis, written by Timothy Harris and Herschel Weingrod. It stars Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy, Ralph Bellamy, Don Amici, Denholm Elliott, and Jamie Lee Curtis. We could go and do a play-by-play of this film, but essentially the film tells the story of an upper-class commodities broker and a poor street hustler whose lives cross when they're unwittingly made the subject of an elaborate bet to test how each of their lives will be if the circumstances are swapped for a dollar.
0: This film... When when did you first see this thing?
1: Um I have memories of it being played in the house when I was a kid because mm-hmm. this movie came out in 83. Yeah. And I was born in 86. So I want to say that my father who will do anything to see tits on TV <laughs> like it probably played in my house a lot. Yeah. So, like, my first memories of it are probably in the beginning of my memory. Like, I remember it in, like, 90. I remember it in, like, 92-ish.
0: hmm
1: And then I saw it for myself probably in 99, 2000.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: And that's probably the last time I've seen it. Now... Like, with my, like, don't watch movies more than once, Dan Aykroyd's one of those actors that has, like, a special place in my heart where I'll watch something with Dan Aykroyd in it just because. Yeah. Like, there was there was some kind of Dan Aykroyd marathon on yesterday. Because uh, I sat down and Ghostbusters 1 was on. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as it ended, Ghostbusters 2 was on. And then as soon as it ended, Blues Brothers came on. That's
0: a good time. And I was like, I was like what is happening? Yeah, like, I've never heard of it. Did the world not
1: want me to get off the couch?
0: <laughs> they, had to, they had to keep... The universe had specific plans to keep you right there. I would have died if I went outside, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... Yeah. You may have, like, a Final Destination situation on your hands or something. Where, like... Maybe. Where you, you like, escape death, and now, like, you just, just be on the watch out. You know, be on the lookout for... Uh, for a death's cold embrace, it, 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 like it got robbed because fate intervened, and and there's a Dan Aykroyd of all things, uh, wow, Dan Aykroyd marathon. Like whether that was clearly that was by design, but I've never heard yeah. of a Dan Aykroyd marathon, and
1: and it wasn't. I don't. It wasn't labeled as a Dan Aykroyd marathon. I think it was on
0: AMC. Right, but but whoever was programming. Was just like I want to do a uh, Dan Aykroyd marathon.
1: <laughs> like I got, I told myself like I wasn't going to pay attention to what came on after Blues Brothers. Yeah, but like you have to assume it would have been either Blues Brothers two thousand. But like if they would have put in nothing but trouble after that,
0: <laughs> yeah, man, I love that movie.
1: <laughs> my day would have just been fucking done. Uh,
0: do you do you a fan of uh, Doctor Detroit? Uh,
1: I don't exactly know what Dr. Detroit it's, is.
0: It's a Dan Aykroyd film.
1: No, I haven't seen it, so I'd have it. to. If you,
0: you check it out, I think you would enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have a bottle of Crystal Skull Vodka, and I don't even drink.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this film, like, I think... Like, I was talking to you, like, you know before we started, that I think I was about 14 when I... St- truly like sat down and saw this for the first time because it was there like you said it's kind of like in the memory and it's in the background right but i didn't actually watch it until that age until i was about 14 and then i yeah. kind of had a rediscovery of it in my uh early 20s
1: it was definitely one of those movies that i didn't watch until like We were getting high in Noah L. Ross's garage in high school (laughs) like. The dude had uh, two couches and a TV set up in the garage.
0: I know that life.
1: And like the parents didn't park in the garage and it wasn't it wasn't a like converted garage to be a hangout room. It was just a garage. Right. With. uh Couches and like carpet and a fridge and everything that he found in the dumpsters of his apartment complex. That's
0: exactly what we did with with mine. So I know that I know that life intimately.
1: Yeah. So it was just the like hangout room. Yeah. And like we were drinking and and like watching movies, getting high, watching wrestling. It was wonderful. But that was one of those like Noah's garage movies.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it. That's a good. Hmm, I like that. This is one of those kind of. This is kind of like one of those films where you, you seemingly discover with your uh, group of bros or whatever. You know, you watch it, and you have a good time. And you're just like, and you, and you'd be like, no, no, no. I know it's from like the early '80s, but just watch it. You know, because for whatever reason, you know, when you're younger, you have this stigma, stigmatized like older things. You know, I don't know why. And yeah, you are just like, oh, it's older, so it's not as good quality. And I watched it and I was just like, This is fucking funny. Like it's a I mean, you look at it now. I mean anyone with a fucking developed brain, you look at it now and you and you're like, Oh, of course it's fucking funny. Look at this goddamn cast, like Jesus. Yeah. The premise is Oh, go on.
1: No, no, I mean like the I'm just saying like it's it's a Saturday night live movie without being a Saturday night mm-hmm. live movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true cuz it do, but, it does get into that 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 thing that like Saturday Saturday night live movies of this era like to do, which is slowly creep into looney tunes territory yeah
1: when uh when Belushi shows up in the <laughs> thing. I was like I was like, "Oh shit, it's about to get Animal House up in here." <laughs> And I mean like that's a national lampoon movie. Yeah. But national lampoon movies led into Saturday night live movies except for national lampoon movies are regarded as good it, even if they're not.
0: That seems that's very fucking true. That's very true man. Like I the national lampoon like tag on a film seems to make it like oh th- like it is it is um invincible to um It's invisible to, to like, not critique. What am I trying to say? It's like, you automatically assume it's funny. It just has this kind of connotation to it. National Lampoon film. Oh, it's funny. They haven't been funny for, like, 21 years.
1: I will say that when Van Wilder came out, that was the fucking movie.
0: Same. Same.
1: If you watch Van Wilder now... Jesus.
0: God. Like, that movie is, is just... It's not even like, I, I haven't, it's not like I've become so, you know, it's not like I've become a prude or something like that. It's just, the jokes don't fucking land, they're not fucking funny, just, there's, it's a lot of really mid-2000s pacing humor, uh like, but lowball humor, like, it's it's like, I don't know, it's got the, the same appeal as Tomcats, but none of the charm. Even yeah. beautiful Ryan Reynolds who, you know, like The
1: movie the movie <laughs> relies on his charm. Yeah. And his his charm does a lot of work in that movie. If it
0: was anyone else casted in that fucking role, it would be a decrepit fucking film. <laughs> like, yeah. Ryan Reynolds like makes it like you can you can you can stand it for like a watch. There's still some parts that hit. Uh but like a lot of it is just like Fuck, man. It's
1: it's the same with the movie Waiting. I mean, like that movie's really not that good. It really lies heavily on Ryan Reynolds' charm. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's true.
1: Like it was when they were trying to make Justin Long a leading man, and then they realized that's not happening.
0: Yeah. I like the film um Accepted? Is that what it is? Yeah, Accepted. That's yeah. That, that stars Justin Long. And I like and I like that film, but that film and along with Waiting, you're just like why is this guy like the. Why is he portrayed this way? He, he just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. He doesn't fit as a cool lead pro tag, you know? Nothing against Justin, Justin Long
1: had Jonah Hill in that movie at like the beginning of Jonah Hill's.
0: Yeah. But yeah, like the. I will say, like comedies of um, the 80s, despite their problematic things, which they're definitely in here, um. There's, like, a difference somehow between, like, the problematic couple of areas in this film versus uh, the problematic areas in, say, Van Wilder. Maybe it's just because one is just so, like, it's not said from a point of ignorance, this is supposed to be the cool people being problematic, whereas in this one, it's just like, oh, look at this fucking idiot, you know?
1: Well, I mean... In Trading Places, the problematic things, other than uh, Dan Aykroyd's blackface portrayal. Yeah. um, It's problems that are... I think that it's just like perfect to talk about, because it's problems that have been coming to a head in this country for so long Mm -hmm. with... uh, The rich, old white men playing games with us like we're pawns in their lives.
0: (laughs) This film is like... (laughs) Like... As outlandish as a pre- um as outlandish of a premise as it seems, like I'm not joking when I said this is the most grounded in reality of the film of the the episodes we'll put out and their subject matter because like these fucking white guys like it, it's this shit's real like everything that that like happens is fucking real and they the Dukes the villains they actually prove systemic racism they 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 prove uh the i
1: mean they're the coke they're a fictionalized version of the coke brothers yeah
0: like they they, they just, like it this this movie like i don't know it maybe maybe there's it the whole like you know scene once you're once you're awake and once you're fucking woke you know you just see things you know with a different set of eyes and you're noticing all these fucking things but this film it uh it, it uh debunks the whole like, without even trying it debunks the whole pull yourself up by your bootstraps fucking mentality this country has, because inherited wealth is the key to success not your fucking work ethic
1: The only thing that wasn't believable, like truly believable in this movie was that Dan Aykroyd's character uh, got thrown in jail for a small bag of PCP in his pocket, <laughs> as an affluent white man, yeah. they would have said, all right, we're going to take the PCP. You can take off. Make sure you make your court date.
0: I, I thought that, like, I thought the same thing, but I also think that maybe it was just the, the Duke's doing. Like, maybe those guys were on the payroll or something like that. And, you it know, was but, like,
1: because... uh cuz Beeks was there mm-hmm. in the police station. Yeah. Saying like rough him up and stuff like that and putting money in their yeah, hands. Yeah,
0: so like that's uh, okay. I think that
1: uh, <laughs> they covered their base in that. But it was just one of those things. Wait, where, it's, like, hard, it's was hard to imagine,
0: yeah. Well, I think the most <laughs> I was <laughs> I thought you were going to say uh Jim Jim Belushi uh Jim Belushi's character in his gorilla suit how it gets put onto um Beeks and taped on there, and then like no one notices. That's a that's a that's a man in a gorilla suit. I thought that's I thought that's what you're gonna say the most. Un- no, unbelievable. no, you don't know, <laughs> no, that could happen. That could happen. You could no. You could they tape on-
1: they they portrayed the two guys handling baggage well enough for me <laughs> to believe that they wouldn't know.
0: <laughs> that's. You know what? Yeah, you're right. I didn't I didn't think of that factor.
1: The the boys were chilling with the gorilla, yeah. which I'm sure a gorilla in a cage in the back of in the luggage cart of a train, which I'm sure is not temperature controlled. Yeah. Going through Pennsylvania to New York is probably freezing fucking cold. Yeah. And that gorilla would be in a terrible mood and they're just sitting there eating bananas with it close enough to it to where it can reach into their lap yeah and grab bananas and not just grab that dude's cock and twist it off
0: (laughs) Uh, that's that's a fair point um the two the two baggage handlers one played by a young al franken uh that that yeah that always like He's one of those guys where I just can't picture young until I see him young, and I'm just like, "Oh, he just has color in his hair, you know that's it, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the most absurd part of the movie is probably that where um we see um we see a white man get away with uh we see a rich white man get away with drug possession with Ah, fuck! My brain got all jumbled. Sorry.
1: A rich white man not get away with yeah, drug yeah, possession.
0: Yeah, I think that you're probably right. That now that I've now that you brought that to my attention, the factor I didn't consider, which is the high high off their tits baggage handlers, I could see, I could very well see a man being taped up as a gorilla in a gorilla suit and like and and gagged inside, and so he can't remove the mask, he can't do anything right pass off as a gorilla to these two specific baggage handlers so i think you're right i think dan Aykroyd playing a rich white man not getting away with drug possession is a little out there that's that's fair
1: and then to take it one step further when the two gorillas in the cage get to new york they portrayed a new york dock worker pretty well one gorilla two gorillas who gives a fuck (laughs) they're in love let them fuck (laughs)
0: Good for Beaks that like a gorilla isn't crazily like endowed or anything. They got real small cocks, like in proportion of body. So
1: I mean you're still He is still getting raped by a gorilla. <laughs> that is one well, of the problematic things in this film.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, okay, but we don't know if the he may just be he may just be getting dry hunt by a gorilla because I don't think the gorilla could get through the suit
1: to mm. to get to the, you don't think you don't think the gorilla well, fingers I, it, can just rip that it, little hole I open I don't
0: think the why would the gorilla do that though with the gorilla like let me get to that bussy and like fucking rip open fur suit and cheeks
1: hey the high the high baggage handler said oh that gorilla looks real horny
0: <laughs> he was really horny we know that but like i think i would now
1: think about the amount of strength you have when you're horny mm-hmm. think about what you do when you're horny, you just rip at that huge dick of yours.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't know if the gorilla... I think the gorilla is content with jamming his gorilla bone wherever, you know, just like, just, just humping the fuck at him. I don't know if he's like, if he would be like, wait a minute, why ain't I getting, you know, penetration here? Why... Oh. just
1: coming all over Beeks's back. Yeah, um,
0: I think he's okay with that. I think he's okay with coming all over Beeks' back.
1: I th- and you know what? To get off track for a second, I think you now have to officially be okay with people talking about your huge dick because of the Christmas gift that you got and the fact that Chris Pontius congratulated you on it. <laughs>
0: That is that is the uh, machinations of um, the men in my life. Hey, Freddie, this is Chris Pontius from the Wild Boys and Jackass. Sean and the boys think you're a great friend and want to congratulate you on your huge penis. <laughs> Thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yeah. Yeah, like getting off track. Let's get back to the gorilla rape. Um.
1: Well. Let's talk a little bit about Trading Places, because we're about 40 minutes into the podcast. Okay. (laughs) Trading Places was developed with the intent to cast the duo of Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder as Billy Ray Valentine and Lewis Winthrop III. Did you know that?
0: I think I remember hearing about that in one of the numerous, like, Movie podcasts that you listen to? That or the biographical documentaries on Richard Pryor or Gene Wilder.
1: So they were in super high demand following uh Stir Crazy. Yeah. But the reason that they couldn't do this film is because Pryor was severely injured after setting fire to himself while yeah. freebasing yep. cocaine. Yep,
0: yep,
1: yep. So Paramount went with Eddie Murphy and Gene Wilder said, I'm gonna drop out of the film because I I think that the comedy is between Richard and myself, mm. and I can't be just cast I, with any any yeah, black guy. Yeah,
0: they have a dynamic for sure. They have yeah, a chemistry.
1: So, Paramount Pe- Pictures actually didn't really want Murphy because they were unhappy with his performance in Forty Eight Hours, mm-hmm. which was also supposed to be a Richard Pryor thing. Mm. But test audiences loved the film, so the studio went. Hey, let's uh let's told uh Landis to use this guy, but Landis had no idea who Murphy was. Um so Landis watched some Saturday Night Live and then Murphy's audition tapes and he said, Yeah, let's let's do this and they paid him three hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the roll for the role. What's
0: what's um, that in twenty twenty dollars?
1: Uh it is one point one million. Okay. That's how much inflation has hit us in those forty years.
0: <laughs> Jeez, that's kind of that kind of ended up being more depressing than um, interesting hearing. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so because Gene Wilder wouldn't do it, yeah, Landis wanted Dan Aykroyd to serve as Murphy's co-star. He'd worked with him before in The Blues Brothers, mm-hmm. and you know he liked it. So Landis said he could easily play Winthrop.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh. Pro- you you just tell Dan Aykroyd what you want and he delivers it. Right. So Paramount said, no, uh, he performs better as part of a duo with Belushi. And Aykroyd working alone would be akin to Bud Abbott working without Lou Costello. And everything that Aykroyd had done since then had fared really poorly at the box office. So In order to do it, Aykroyd agreed to take a pay cut for this role.
0: How much did he get?
1: They didn't didn't put that in the article I read.
0: Oh, they didn't specify.
1: But they also didn't want Jamie Lee Curtis in the film because she was just a scream queen associated with low-quality B-movies. But... Landis had worked with her on the horror documentary Coming Soon, which she served as the host. And she didn't want to do horror films anymore, and she was conscious that the association would limit her future career.
0: Right, right. She's typecast.
1: Yeah, she turned down uh, the role in Psycho 2 because of this. And, you know, her mother was in Psycho. Yeah. She had just finished Halloween 2 in 81 as a favor to John Carpenter and she made a million dollars for that role which is wild right? Yeah. That is fucking and wild. And in order to move away from that horror genre her pay for trading places was only $70,000. Oof.
0: Oof. Uh,
1: she was asked if she researched her role as a prost- prostitute and she said I'd love to say I went out and turned a couple of tricks <laughs> on 42nd Street but I didn't. <laughs>
0: Oh Jamie, just always, always has the fucking wit, man. Even, yes, goddamn. Even today, check check her out. Like she's she's she is a wonderful lady.
1: And uh, she had long hair when she was cast, but the costume designer Deborah Nadulam Nadulam Ah Deborah Landis mm-hmm. she uh she suggested cutting her hair short for the film, which. I mean, like, that's her look forever now, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, they kind of... Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about it, but, yeah, she didn't have short hair, and um, she didn't have short hair in Halloween, so I never thought of that, that, like, where it happened, where her with the short hair kind of became synonymous, you know? It's just, like, I yeah. mean, she just fucking wears it so well. She has, like,
1: perfect... She fashion. is short hair. Yeah,
0: she had perfect fucking... I don't know head shape, whatever you know, just something that is just so conducive to that look, and it's just like that's her look. She owns that fucking look, Jamie Lee Curtis. And
1: boy, young Jamie Lee Curtis is she hot as fuck in this movie?
0: Oh god, like like unnecessarily so. Like, jeez, man, and she not even like. It's not like it's super over i mean there's obviously some levels of that because she's playing a sex worker but it's not like i i don't i don't know i don't know it's just like but that fucking magnetism she's like yeah she's fucking gorgeous incredible yeah she is incredible and yeah like everyone does such a great job in this fucking movie the guy who plays um i'm trying to remember which duke is which so oh, I'll just say okay the the um, the the skinnier one right yeah he plays like the bigfoot enthusiast in Harry <laughs> and the Hendersons and I swear to God if I didn't see that movie first I would I would not want to see any any film with with this guy because he does such a good job at being reprehensible and just just like fucking repugnant.
1: Well, the cool thing is is that they reprise their roles as the dukes in coming to america
0: yeah. i so i would have like i would have not wanted to see like, <laughs> and it's now it's kind of even now i think back of it it's hard to th- think of him as this like nature loving um you know this nature loving bigfoot enthusiast in the harry and the henderson movie harry and the henderson's movie because in this one you know this it, uh very uh, I get it is a pivotal scene, but there's like a pivotal scene where he drops he drops a very unsavory word. Um, yes. So it's it's I guess what I'm saying is just kudos to him for being so goddamn convincing with it. It's a little bit like it's a little bit like um stone cold <laughs> in the longest yard, whereas it's like he just seems a little too comfortable saying that. But I I I. It's the benefit of the doubt, I know who Stone Cold really is, you know,'ve listened to his podcast enough and his um his uh, political opinion and all that I know he's not that, but it's just like one of those where you're just like, Jesus, you make me uncomfortable you're like you, you yeah. you're, you''re doing a good job, so since I do know that neither actors are that way, you just give them kudos for being a really really hateable heel talented actor yeah uh yeah being a talented fucking actor
1: so principal photography for this film began in Dece- began on December 13th 1982 and the budget was 15 million and it only really had two locations here in Philadelphia and New York City the script underwent minor changes throughout filming but improv was encouraged and why wouldn't it be yeah. when you have Eddie Murphy and Dan Fucking Ackroyd? Yeah,
0: I'm sure that was just. I mean, John. That's kind of like John Landis's thing, but I'm sure he. Um, I'm sure it was like very evident that you could just let them go in in, in yeah. most of these scenes, just just as soon as they're behind the camera or in front of the camera. And
1: Dan Aykroyd has just the face, and like when he puts on, when he puts on the voice of Winthrop. <laughs> And a lot of it is, like, the voice of Ray Stans. Like, he is the perfect straight man.
0: It's so true, man. It's so true. It's like, God, like, look at this waspy motherfucker. He he does such a good job of portraying the, you know, born with a silver spoon in his mouth, all that. Like, he is... Yeah. And,
1: like, Like, I don't remember him ever being that thin and handsome.
0: (laughs) Um, Like... Eddie... Eddie, um, Valentine, man, him, that fucking, that scene where we're, like, introduced to him where he's portraying a legless NOM vet? Yeah. Like a a double amputee, uh, double amputee. Blind. Yeah, double amputee, blind veteran of war, uh, rolling around on just, like, a a wheelboard. And and begging that fucking scene, man, is so fucking funny. The way it is framed, everything about it is perfect. When he is pushed away by the fucking doorman, you know, on his wheelboard, <laughs> onto like so he hangs like uh, awkwardly one eel one uh, awkwardly one wheel off the curb. And it's just a it's just a wide angle shot, kind of pulled back of him. There, he's like, "I appreciate you." <laughs> it's like, I really, like, what was he saying? He's like, "I like your soul." <laughs> 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 Every fucking time that shit fucking gets me. Like, Eddie just has an. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say anything new here, but Eddie's fucking mastery of timing and tone is just, just thing, just things of legend, man fuck. Seeing Eddie Murphy seeing Eddie Murphy doing his thing is always such a fucking treat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like for this movie he said, I'm gonna change pretty much every line because he said a white writer writing for a black person (laughs) would use stereotypical dialogue like jive turkey and sucker. Yeah. And that is very much presented in the jail scene. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I think he's both called a jive turkey <laughs> and a sucker. Yeah,
0: like in the span of like 30 seconds?
1: <laughs> yeah, by the the bigger inmates that end up drinking at his house later that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the Barry White looking motherfucker. That that line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tr- like, yeah, just, I mean... At this time, he's kind of like, he's still an unproven commodity, you know. This ain't this ain't Eddie Murphy raw yet, you know. This ain't the red suit. So, it's understandable, you know, to maybe have some uh, trepidation uh, trepidation about him doing his own lines and stuff like that. But, yeah, man, yeah. It's just, knowing now and knowing what's to come and all that, just, yeah, let him fucking go. He's so fucking good. Just, both, um, I like... Dan brought up a good point before we started recording that I said like months ago, it's always going to be hard, and we'd like to avoid them when we do movies like this, kind of like proven comedy classics, It's because there's literally nothing we could bring that would be funny, or like, you know, as funny or funnier. There's nothing we can really... I mean, yeah, we're like, oh, gorilla rape, talk about fucking gorilla cock to body ratio. We could talk about that, sure. But as far as like this movie, like... It's it's fucking timeless. It's fucking classic. There's yeah, we're, Who are we? Just some- I went pretty heavy
1: on the facts because of that. Yeah. Like, the only thing that I could think of is, man, how rich do you have to be to have a white <laughs> a white servant? And then the Dukes were introduced, and they had nine white servants. Yeah. And I was like, how rich do you have to be to have nine white servants? Yeah. That's who- and, then, and then I saw that they have a black driver, and I was like, oh, they couldn't spring for the full ten.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. That's really like all we got. I can I can we can like joke. I'm only saying this and um to give. I'm only saying this to kind of give like a, a perspective, of just truly how funny this film is. And if you haven't seen it, you should, because it's it's it holds up, man. Like I said, there's some problematic parts, but every film of this era will have the problematic parts. I mean, that's just. We're a nation constantly changing. Our awareness is constantly changing. Our our um uh our stances and shit like that are, are evolving. We're educating ourselves. So obviously, anything older, you're gonna see some problematic shit. But in no no way whatsoever um brings this movie down from its rightfully deserved pedestal as a you know golden age comedy classic.
1: You know what's funny is one of the things that the studio thought was problematic, but I don't really see it as problematic. Is the studio wanted to cut that line of "Who put their cools out on my Persian rug"?
0: <laughs> Why do they want to take that out?
1: Because the studio knew that cools were targeted at Black Americans,
0: right? Well, that's kind of so.
1: They're like, that's racist to for him to say, who's putting out their cools on my rug?
0: I mean, that's, I think, <laughs> it's a funny fucking line. And that's like Eddie just, that's a uh, Valentine just fucking getting them. He looks like he just, someone's putting out their fucking cigarettes on my fucking rug. And he knows he's, he knows people in here are smoking. And he know, like, you I mean, he knows that the brand is probably cools. Like that's. I don't know. That that seems a little bit too pearl-clutching, you know? It's
1: like, you know, in, like, 2006, when every Asian dude was smoking Camel Crushes.
0: I don't remember this.
1: Do you remember Camel Crush?
0: I guess I don't.
1: Camel Crush were the cigarettes that you could choose if you wanted them to be menthol. Like, all you had to do was mash the bottom and it released, like, menthol into your cigarette.
0: Whoa, that's a cool innovation. What?
1: Yeah. And every Asian dude that was smoking was smoking crushes.
0: How'd that s- start? <laughs> where, 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 uh. I don't know. How, how, how did one meet the other? Where did where did that get established? Where did
1: Asian dudes meet Camel Crushes? Well, I mean, like I have where... no idea. Well, I, mean, I had... was hanging out with a I was hanging out with a half Chinese dude. Yeah, that dude loved Camel Crushes.
0: Yeah, I was saying, like where he's like, sometimes
1: I want menthol, sometimes I don't.
0: I just want to know how that entered the I guess the zeitgeist or whatever. You know, like where it became a uh, a trope. That's the word I'm looking for.
1: I mean. The world may never know. <laughs>
0: camel crushes. I'm looking at them right now. That's cool. They got the little camel on the filter and everything. That's neat. Yeah. That's that's You know what? I So Like I, I could I, I could see this being a gimmick if I was a if I was a smoker or doing anything like that. This I could see this being a gimmick where I'd be like, yeah, I want it I want it just because it's a gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's cool.
1: <laughs> Did you know that Ophelia pretending to be a European exchange student to feel Beaks was also improvised. Was it? Yeah, that's why um what's the butler's name?
0: Oh, Coleman?
1: Yeah, Coleman goes, but you're wearing lederhosen yeah. and you're Swedish? <laughs> <Yeah>. Because <laughs> That's
0: all fucking improv?
1: Because Jamie Lee Curtis couldn't do a German accent. Oh. She could only do the Swedish accent. So, like...
0: (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah. So they just made it into... That's fucking good. Um, See?
1: So, in the summer of 1983, June through September, it was predicted to surpass the previous year's record-breaking 1.4 billion in theater tickets sold. That shit ain't nothing in 2020. We do that per movie. The season featured... Expected hits, just like um, Return of the Jedi was coming out, Superman 3 was coming out, and Octopussy did. 40 films were scheduled to release over the 16-week period, and studios were strategizing their releases to avoid damaging their own films by like pitting them against each other. Speaking of that, uh, when Muppet Christmas Carol came out, so that's a Disney movie, it was up against Aladdin and another Disney film. Home Alone, it was up against Home Alone 2 and Aladdin the week it oh. came out. So, like, yeah. in Disney's eyes, Muppet Christmas Carol failed, but they fucking set it up to. Yeah. Different that's, different that's thing that we can talk about. That's
0: very fucking interesting. They they, the, yeah. they kneecapped their mm. own film.
1: We could do a thing on Muppet Christmas Carol next year, yeah. but, like, they kneecapped their film, yes. Huh. Um, I'm looking... So, parent go on paramount released trading places at the start of the summer because they were expecting it as a comedy to do well benefiting from being in theaters longer because comedy films were considered counter-programming that attracted audiences who had already seen all of the major film releases that were mainly focused on science fiction and superheroes Hmm, sounds like 2020 (laughs) uh Trading Places was released between Return of the Jedi in May and Superman 3 in mid-June. Yeah. And sequels were expected to do super well, having the advantage of a built-in audience. And Trading Places was still predicted to be successful based on its cast. Um, shown on 1,375 1, theaters, the film earned $1.7 leading into its opening weekend. And then over the rest of the weekend, it earned seven point three million. Nice. Um, Trading Place is finished as the number three film of the weekend behind Octopussy, and it also beat Return of the Jedi, which was in its third week of release, which is wild. That would yeah. n- mm. that would never happen. It's a Star Wars film. Uh, mm. The film retained its number three position for the second weekend with another seven million, and. In its third weekend, it fell to fifth place behind the Twilight Zone, the movie, which was another Landis thing where he got a couple actors killed.
0: Yeah, that's that's immediately where my mind goes. Dan Dan Aykroyd's in that, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. While the film never claimed the number one box office ranking, it spent 17 straight weeks in the top 10. By September, it was the fourth highest grossing film of the year with 80.6 million. By the end of its theatrical run, Trading Places earned 90.4 million, and it was the fourth highest grossing film of 1983, behind Flashdance, Terms of Endearment, and Return of the Jedi being number one.
0: Yeah. Good fucking job, man.
1: Yeah. Uh, Industry experts suggested that as of 1997, the box office returns to studio minus the theater share was 40.6 million. And we don't know any of the figures of the film
0: like, outside of North America. So we don't know its, a, it's a worldwide presence, is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So it did well for itself, then. Yeah. <laughs> People talking about yeah. Three places did fucking well, man. I was looking up um, uh, the cast here because like, I wanted to make sure that I said the right name for the butler. Uh, Coleman, and that and I was, thankfully But the uh, So who played Mortimer Duke? I couldn't remember uh,
1: Don Amici? Yeah,
0: Don Amici I didn't know he was the fucking voice of Shadow in Homeward Bound So...
1: Oh, that's that's a big deal for That's an
0: extremely big deal <laughs> So that's technically where I first saw him Or first heard him Alright That doesn't affect anything Okay, so like, yeah, yeah Alright, Shadow is the goodest boy And I said In Harry and the Hendersons, he's really good too Yeah, so he <laughs> It's so, its funny He did, like he reprised um, Like yeah, it was It was uh, so Like you said, he, he they reprised their role As the Dukes in Coming to America And then But he did But he was Dr. Wallace Wrightgood In Harry and the Hendersons just a year before
1: yeah, Yeah, and, you know, Trading Places is considered responsible for launching, changing, or relaunching the careers of many of its stars. Mm-hmm. Murphy's success was the highest. He rose from being a TV comedian to a superstar with two of the most successful films of the year. Yeah. Um, he was voted as the biggest box office star after Clint, Clint Eastwood. There were no other African-American actor had achieved comparable success before him was reported that Murphy earned up to a million for trading places by the end. Yeah. But by his third film Beverly Hills Cop, he commanded a 3 million dollar salary which was a top tier salary reserved for the most popular stars. Yeah. And shortly after that Paramount signed Murphy to a 25 million dollar 5 film exclusive contract, the biggest deal they'd ever done with an actor at the time. The studio also agreed to finance Eddie Murphy production studio where Murphy was among several young stars who emerged that year including uh Matthew Broderick who also killed somebody Tom Cruise <laughs> who fucks fish and Michael Keaton who's a fucking gem <laughs> and they were all in their 20s
0: <laughs> I don't I shouldn't be laughing and uh <laughs> I just, I don't know. Maybe I just really appreciate that. That's like that. Sh- that um, both of us. Like I think, like everyone in our friendship circle, pretty much has to mention that 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 Matthew Broderick <laughs> killed somebody. Yeah, that Matthew Broderick. If he's brought up, we're like, well, we're, before we start talking about Matthew Broderick and like the films we like him in or whatever, we got to put that little buffer. You know, he killed somebody. Just so it doesn't, you know, like we well, can't let that be forgotten, because nothing happened, you know, nothing, nothing came. But it. it's like, uh, it's, it's. I don't want to. No, oh fuck, that was entering uh, encroaching a, uh, a ginger area because I was like, it's kind, it's kind of like Jimmy Snuka, you know, it's like, Ugh. before you start talking about Jimmy Snuka, you go murder, that's a murder, and then you go like. You remember the time he jumped off the cage in Madison Square Garden? I mean, you didn't because neither of us were alive at that time. But, you yeah. know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, shit like that. Matthew Broderick is like... Before I start... He did
1: to, kill someone with his car. He,
0: yeah, he committed the vehicular manslaughter. Um, But I really like Thief and the Cobbler. <laughs> you know, like, it's... Oh, fuck. Matthew Broderick godzilla film you know the 97 zilla film it ain't bad like it's you take away i saw that
1: shit in theaters i had toys i loved it it as was a kid. good
0: fucking time i loved it as a kid too and it like later and you yeah that's not godzilla at all and they really fucking didn't do him any any sort of justice but if you know it's like you call him zilla because that's what Toho says, That's instructed us, you know, it's like, that's ill, they were mistaken, that's not actually Godzilla, that's fine. And you know what, that animated series afterwards was fucking fire, too. That was a great fucking yeah. cartoon. But...
1: I don't really talk about me liking that film, because, you know, we are in a friend group with two massive Godzilla fans. Mm-hmm. So, like, my enjoyment of that film is just kept to myself.
0: Sure. I mean, like, I think... you know, one of those things. Because you know, to- I, know- I don't want to hear... <laughs> i think it would only be from one person we know who that person is because because like i think i think we all enjoy it you know i think only i think um only one of us has to say that's not godzilla It's like hey yeah it's still movies called godzilla yes that's zilla i recognize his official name that is zilla sure no problem but, um, but I had a cup with that motherfucker's head on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You get back to, it's like, those toys were so fucking sick. I had so many of the, the Hatchling ones, because there was, like, three different ones. There was, like, a red one, a green one, and then, like, an orangish one. And they all... You heard... remember
1: when Pizza Hut had a kid's meal?
0: I do remember that. Like, you get a little personal pizza. Yeah.
1: A little personal pizza, you got a cup with some drawings on it. Like, the best... I remember the... X-Men, the animated series ones with the Jim Lee art on the cups, mm. but they did the Godzilla one where you got a Godzilla puppet. You remember the puppet?
0: I do remember the puppet.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, you got that with the K. You got not with the KFC. That seems like it'd be a KFC <laughs> toy. They always did like the bigger puppet thing. Yeah. But it was with the Pizza Hut kids meal.
0: Yeah. Because KFC had the premium... Kind of toys where they they put the they like they had the kids meal and then they had where the, the toys were an upcharge yeah the toys were behind a paywall <laughs> and that's how you get your Pokemon plushies you know that's like it was always set up like that for whatever reason with KFC love
1: those Pokemon plushies love the Casper puppets you know Casper puppets were bath toys for me yeah
0: yeah so well oh yeah we're talking about trade we were talking
1: about. <laughs> uh like what this did with their successes so like after uh murderer matthew broderick and everybody got their like starhood uh it led to like a shift in focus from making films targeted mainly at children and to like start to get to people in their teens and late 20s -hmm. but eddie murphy getting famous so quickly led him to leave saturday night live because he just started to hate it because he thought everybody resented him for his success. Mm-hmm. And in one way, I agree with that because I kind of see Saturday Night Live as like the Monday Night Wars wrestling where it was like, this motherfucker's going to take my spot.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're f- and you're, I think that they
1: still feed into that environment.
0: You're fighting for your spot on the card. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. Who gets the, like, the surefire funny fucking bits. You know, like who's who's going to get, you know, uh who's going to get let's say think of a...
1: and because everybody's a writer, everybody is a booker on uh Saturday Night Live that they're always trying to book themselves to go over on Eddie.
0: Yeah. That makes I could I could see that. I could see that. Because there is a certain disparity between skits that you know you can all recognize and and depending on who's in it uh well it's it's like chances of going over may increase or decrease yeah because you know you have like you said fighting for your position on the card you know you like he, who's gonna get more cowbell right and who's gonna get goat boy <laughs> like, yeah. like I have a, f- I know a few people that are fans of Go Boy, and I'm, I'm, I'm um, I have no problem with Go Boy. I laugh, I laugh at that too. But there's clearly a difference. <laughs> there's clearly a fucking difference there.
1: Yeah, and he felt like he was always going to get buried because he was off making movies, making real money, yeah. still coming back to work his nine to five at Saturday Night Live. Yeah,
0: you ain't loyal to the territory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah and him leaving kind of like that's well shit man that's that's basically the start of of the piscopone era yeah the the, the dark ages a lot of people uh, it's it's there's there's some credulity to that because it's not great there's still some there's still some fun stuff and as as you know uh dear listener, Piscopone you know, like he's he's part of the he's part of the PP boys now. He's part of the he's part of our um alumni because of sidekicks and all that. So we'll we'll go to Pat we'll go to Pat. We'll go to Pat for Piscopone Sure. Fuck it. There you go.
1: So Trading Places revitalized Aykroyd's career. hmm Throughout the eighties, like he had a series of failures, but after Trading Places he went on to star in Ghostbusters, Spies Like Us, Dragnet, and then he got an Academy Award nomination for driving Miss Daisy. So that's pretty dope yeah. for Dan. And then he went on to make Crystal Skull vodka. <laughs> and he also has a conspiracy theory podcast. Yeah. So I like
0: lo- well he where well, he's just Ray, you know.
1: He will he
0: is Ray. That's what I mean. Like he's just Ray. So like the, the podcast makes perfect fucking sense. Because Ray is his that is that is his wrestling gimmick, you know, where they say the best ones are just your personality turned up to eleven. That's Aykroyd's. Yeah. Ray Stans is absolutely Aykroyd's gimmick. <laughs>
1: But it's, Ray stands in Ghostbusters 2, where he just smokes a lot, he owns a bookstore, but...
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> books on the occult and shit, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah he,
1: owns, he owns a bookstore, and, like, he does his carny fucking birthday gig on the side to make a little extra yeah. scratch. Yeah, Like, that's the, that's the Ray that Aykroyd is.
0: Yeah, it is. It really is. God bless him. God bless him.
1: And then for Jamie Lee Curtis, Trading Places is her breakout performance. This allowed her to move into films outside of horror, Mm -hmm. and John Cleese would cast her in the 1988 heist comedy A Fish Called Wanda, specifically because of her performance in Trading Places. Curtis says that Landis has single-handedly changed the course of her life by giving her that part. After not working in film for more than a decade, Amich followed Trading Places With Cocoon, which he won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. And then Landis continued to work as a director, but he suffered some setbacks following, you know, Mm -hmm. the lawsuit for the deaths of several actors in Twilight Zone, the movie. Uh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he had a succession of moderately successful films. According to Eddie Murphy, he hired Landis to direct Coming to America To help support Landis, but the pair had a falling out on the set of that film. But they still made Beverly Hills Cop 3 in 94.
0: You know, money. Money will, yeah. Money will, like, smooth things over. Yeah, we may have had a falling out, but, uh, you know, Beverly Hills Cop was one of the biggest comedy franchises. You want to come up with this and get a payday? Yeah. For sure. That's that's how they got Macho Man and fucking Hulk to work, you know? Yeah. Mega powers existed because money exists. (laughs) Because as we know, um, Mach wasn't a big fan of Hulk.
1: Well, I mean, like, wrestling is all about money. Yeah. Like, that's the way that you got Kevin Nash to do anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because Kevin... Kevin... Kevin Mash... Oh, uh,
1: Kevin Nash! Yeah, <laughs> Kevin Nash. That's that's the potato Kevin that <laughs> yeah. I sculpted when I was seven.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, Kevin Nash, uh, big sexy. That is big brain right there. That's that's a fucking genius right there. That man, I have the utmost respect for that man and his fucking <laughs> and his um. What we call it? His uh, sensibilities. His financial sens- fucking hates wrestling. <laughs> he fucking hates wrestling, but he knows where the money is kudos to him <laughs> but yeah i mean like jamie lee curtis like after, like you said like it was all horror movies and then after this like she started getting roles and in started getting roles in in a bunch of different things uh Fucking actually one I'm looking at here at the IMDb because of course we're looking at the IMDb, uh, Tall Tales and Legends. I remember watching that on its reruns, uh, where she played Annie Oakley. Yeah, yeah, I remember pretty fucking well. Uh, but her um, yeah, her crew, like you could just follow here, but year by year, just you know, like you said, Fish Call Wanda, Blue Steel, uh, she fucking uh, Queen Logic, my girl. Oh, she gets the fucking once she gets into fucking True Lies, man. Helen fucking Tasker, Lord, yeah. I like that's what made her um a uh, True Lie. Let me rephrase that. I think True Lies, even though it has like one of the sexiest fucking scenes like I've ever seen with her doing her fucking undercover uh, strip tease thing yeah where where (laughs) arnold's watching her in the dark because he got oh my god that's another fucking movie where arnold is supposed to be playing like an everyday guy at least this one makes sense because he's secretly fucking an undercover super agent but how would you not guess that you know why would you think this guy does like computer programming or whatever look at him but um that's like the that's like the movie where i think like a lot of people got their boner for for uh Jamie Lee, For Curt- Jamie Lee Curtis Jamie Lee Curtis but I I I I got to say man I think Trading Places beats it out and yes I mean that as a fucking pun like, I mean I
1: mean like you could be you could say it's because she plays a sex worker and you're imagining her like that during the movie but like the sex worker thing part of it is kind of brushed under the rug for the most part like she gets paid to pretend to blow him for a second yeah and then she shoes away a john to take care of him yeah and that's it
0: yeah it, it, it. you would think that it would show it in a more um unsavory fashion just because the opinion of sex workers at the time but yeah. she's just She's portrayed as a very smart you know um very she's
1: a sex worker that has saved forty two thousand that her pimp hasn't beat the fuck out of her and taken
0: yeah. well, she says she has no pimp, she's like a freelancer, oh so she's she's shown as independent strong fucking smart
1: but but she's a prostitute without a heroin addiction yeah she which she, is insane
0: 'cause it's because it's eighty three <laughs> you know <it's> like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, she's just, she's got her wits about her. And it's the whole sex worker thing is there. But like I said, it's not played up in the stereotypical fashion. Instead, it's just like this woman has her shit together. She's, she's fucking incredibly smart. She's crafty, you know, and now she has her investment. She literally calls Winthrop her investment, because she takes care of him throughout the film after that, you know? And of course, since it is a heteronormative movie and all that, they have a, um, you know, they have a love that blossoms. But it's not forced, it's pretty nice, you know? But, um, yeah. It does just kinda happen. It just kinda happens. It it just kinda happens, of course. But there's, like, at least there's, like, a little bit of warmth and showing where you can... uh, there's stuff shown where it where like there's maybe there isn't stuff shown, actually. No but it's just not a matter really. of their energy, you know, of the two actors on film. Like when he sees her disrobe for the first time and all that and the way he's looking at and the way she looks at him and all it's just there's a lot of tension there. So it's not it's not drastic world levels where it's just like we're gonna kiss now, you know.
1: Yes. So <laughs> I mean like you could also say it's that, you know, her investment's paying off and she got horny for money. Yeah. And like that that discounts a lot of the character and I we shouldn't say that. So we probably didn't. You may you might not have heard it. Or you <laughs> might have. I don't know. Um, Who knows what future fan will do. Is is that uh Kristen Holby's character uh what's her name in this? Penelope Witherspoon. Yeah. His Winthrop's fiancé at the beginning of the movie now
0: she's fine but she dresses like in that baby doll way and that's a big like yes but boner deflector Like
1: she's also only in one other thing after this she's in Manhunter Manhunter in 1986
0: who's in Manhunter what's Manhunter that's a very generic Uh, name
1: yeah I mean there's not really anybody that matters in it
0: (laughs) I just yeah, there's no one that matters. I just want to see if I saw like on you know Cinemax or something like that.
1: She was, she was mostly a Ralph Lauren model, and she like modeled for Givenchy or I don't know how to say it, Chanel and uh Shiseido. But like, she turns on Winthrop the second he's hard up. Like she was, she was. So hot for him when he fought back against Eddie Murphy's character Mm -hmm. for stealing his briefcase, even though Eddie went, sorry, man, for for bumping into you. Here's your briefcase back. But a black man was holding his briefcase, so he was attacked, which, again, hits so hard in 2020.
0: This um, I was talking to a friend that like this shit has been in front of our fucking faces like forever in media and music and all that. People have been trying to tell us. <laughs> like people have been They
1: they've been trying to tell us, and Freddie, I know that you're only half, but that half of you has made you partly deaf. It,
0: that's true. I've like fully I fully understand that. I take full responsibility and uh <laughs> I take full responsibility for the that the, the caucus half of me and uh accountable for certain privileges i've had throughout my life and it has made me a bit of a honky in in some areas and it wasn't until like much later you know like in my mid-20s where i was really becoming socially aware of this shit because and,
1: as a true white, I take no responsibility, and I say it's your fault for not telling me
0: outright it is <laughs> it is your job to educate Dan, all right, yeah. not his responsibility he
1: I watch movies for entertainment. I don't need to be told about <laughs> systemic racism in my entertainment. You keep that shit away from me, and when you tell me about it in a paper. That I'll put on the ledge and read at my leisure, which is never.
0: It better make him feel good too.
1: Oh yeah, I can't be made to feel any kind of <laughs> upset by truth.
0: Yeah, don't like. Don't say anything that would make him defensive.
1: Give it to me with the Reese's pieces.
0: He's not on trial here.
1: <laughs> not not all
0: whites. <laughs> so yeah, like I mean, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, this shit has been going on for so fucking long, and films, and music, and all this shit, it just showed like, just fucking 2000, was it, it must have been 2015, Um, I don't know what season of Orange is the New Black, it ha- like, which season specifically happens, but a character in it, pussy or Pussy, she dies when a correction correctional officer kneels on her fucking back in the middle of a... A cafeteria fight and doesn't get offered, and she screams that she can't breathe and she fucking dies. This happened in media, this happened on a fucking widely watched Netflix show, you know, just about four years ago. And we see the actual fucking thing happen in front of our eyes, like, recorded and all that. And you still got these fucking motherfuckers going, what did he do wrong? You know? It's like, why did he get into that position? Why didn't he fucking listen? This it is, This shit is mind-melting. This shit is brainwashing. Like, fuck. Like, I know Social Justice Warrior and... Getting woke, and all that shit is nice, memeable fucking things you can use to defensively explain away why you feel guilty, you know? But, like, it's fucking real, man. Back in 83, we're, like, same problems. <laughs> same fucking Trading problem.
1: Places is getting heavy, y'all.
0: It's get real fucking heavy. This movie is absolutely, like, it is... I, this will be the third time i said it, but this, out of the things we're going to be talking about this month, this is the one that's most grounded in reality. Because, yes, there's some ridiculous things, and yes, but, like, this really is the evil of money. This is the evil of fucking patriarchy, white privilege, inherited wealth. This is all fucking in this film. And it, it, it exemplifies that. I mean, it's extremely fucking funny it's a it's it's but it's it's fucking real <laughs> like you can absolutely have your life altered this way by a couple of rich old white men 100 yes. percent, you can have this happen to you
1: so freddie did you understand the ending of the movie
0: the stocks part no because my brain okay. don't work with right. numbers? So. I I know, like, I get the gist of it, right? So they give them a fake crop report. Or a, a yes. fake, like, projection of the crop report. Yes. So they would do the wrong thing in the, <laughs> in the stock exchange. So so they could do those smart moves and make money where the Dukes lose money.
1: Yes. So everything about what happened was illegal. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, insider trading, they knew about the frozen concentrated orange juice futures contracts yeah. before the market opened. So. Big no-no. They were trying to buy up as many of the futures contracts to corner the market, effectively owning a substantial enough number of contracts that they're able to control the price of frozen concentrated orange juice, which this is silly. The other brokers realize what the Dukes are doing and they join in on buying the futures, significantly inflating the price of orange juice to that moment to $1.42 per pound. Okay. Each future represents several pounds of orange juice. Winthrop and Valentine begin selling futures at this inflated price, and they announce that they're selling what they don't have in order to get other people. Uh, they're believing that this is the peak price and that the contracts will require them to supply frozen orange juice in april anticipating that the crop report will cause the value to rise far above a dollar 42 the other brokers start announcing that they are going to be purchasing orange juice that they don't own, own at a dollar 42 the other brokers begin to purchase this non-existent orange juice futures from Winthrop and Valentine at a dollar 42 once the real crop report is published indicating that the orange crop will be normal and there's no shortage in frozen concentrated orange juice, the value of those futures plummet to 29 cents a pound, which is when Valentine and Winthrop actually buy up all the futures and then sell them to the brokers that bought them from them at $1.42 a pound. Which is how they made their money.
0: Oh, <laughs> you could have like yeah. if this was like if this was a video format. This thing you'd do right here. You could have had the camera on me as I drooled during like the 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 whole if, explanation if you wanna, of that. I got if it. Want to if you want to like, you,
1: you wanna, like dumb it down a little bit. Um, they lied to the brothers. Mm-hmm. Drove up the price to $1.42. They announced that they were selling at $1.42. So everybody was buying it up, telling them that they were buying up futures from them at $1.42 that they didn't have. Mm -hmm. So they were taking everybody's money up front.
0: Mm -hmm. Right? Right.
1: And then once the price dropped down to $0.29... they used all of the money that they acquired from selling at $1.42 to buy it at $0.29 cents so that they had the futures to sell right. to those people. So they said, we have this product. They didn't have the product, took all the money, and then bought the product and was like, here it is. Bought it at a fraction.
0: Okay. And and the uh, the Duke brothers... Since all, um, what they say, all standing accounts are closed at the end of the day, they owed
1: 394 million because they spent all of their money on expensive ass orange juice when it was expensive. Mm-hmm. And they have to pay the price that they bought it when it was expensive. Mm-hmm. But... Even though now. The orange they lose piece. 394 million because That's they the bought difference. it too expensive
0: uh, mm-hmm. okay I think I get I think I think I know uh now
1: in the years since the film's release it's been reassessed in positive and negative terms obviously yeah it's been praised as one of the greatest comedy films and Christmas films ever made mm-hmm. but retrospective assessments have criticized the use of racial jokes and language but in 2010 the film was referenced in congressional testimony concerning the reform of commodities trading designed to prevent the insider trading that happened here in trading places so this film affected the broking brokering market in real life like The lies that this film weaved changed the way that commodities trading
0: happened. That's wild, man. And, oh, is that why the movie's called Trading Places?
1: Well, yes, because they trade places and it's trading in the stock market.
0: Right. (laughs) I thought it was just, I never thought of that. I never considered. (laughs) Fuck. Fuck.
1: And, and, never and that they part. also use the stock market to trade up to put the Duke yeah. brothers Ex- in the position they, that they were leaving them. They trade up. It's a triple entendre.
0: Okay, I only got the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I got the first one and I stopped digging. I was like, okay, now he, uh, Dan Aykroyd is now in the position that Eddie Murphy's in. Got it. you know. And,
1: well, Alfredo, that's why we podcast. <laughs>
0: okay okay i got it
1: <laughs> we're here we're living
0: yeah i hope so. we're learning I hope so. we're loving yeah i hope someone else um got to experience that with me that um genuine that genuine realization i just had <laughs> i said if this was this was like a video format And the cam, like, my cam, while you were talking, like, I'm sure, I'm sure there's something funny that could have been done with the expressions I was making that I wasn't aware of. Because I'm sure I was, because I'm, because I'm sure I was making them as my brain processed what you were saying. Like, it's like all faculties shut down except my brain's, uh, thinking. So it's like, you know, forget the face, forget the hands, you know, uh make him breathe through his fucking mouth (laughs) you know like auxiliary power all went to the brain to compute what you said but i got it (laughs) i mean it's not like this it's not like this show has presented me as a smart man at any point so it's not you know whatever
1: and i'm not gonna say i'm smart and i completely understood it i kind of had to dumb it down myself and like do the math on everything
0: right you're definitely but you're definitely this is more your realm than it is mine for sure or you're more you would be more
1: i have never traded stocks i, in my I
0: know life. i'm saying damn it say you're bored
1: but you're here we go <laughs> i'm going to
0: you're gonna buy it's part
1: of 2021
0: you're gonna buy stocks
1: yeah man i'm trying to listen i'm working in a comic book store make twelve dollars an hour. I have nothing on the horizon. I gotta figure out something. I gotta get out of this this well, comic store rut. Well you
0: can't do what they did because that's illegal.
1: Well I don't live in New York. I'm not that smart.
0: And you're not I you're don't. not aware of any current inside trading deals that you can step in on and sabotage.
1: No, my idea is to buy into brands that I already believe in.
0: Mm-hmm. And just ride. and that's kind of it. Just ride.
1: Yeah. Dig it. Like I'm going to put money in and I'm going to kind of forget about
0: it. I, I dig it. I dig it. I'm going to
1: be like, "All right, 3M, here's $50." do something for me 3m. Mm-hmm. They're a big company. I'm sure they'll do well. Yeah. They make band-aids and tape.
0: My like I think that's what happened to most of my inheritance money from my grandparents when the, when they died. Cuz I remember talking to a <laughs> I remember talking to like a um a, a broker. Like a broker or an accountant, right? And they're saying like, "Well, you know, we'll give you here's we'll give you like I think I got a, me and my family, I should say, you know, it wasn't just to me, but like give you fifty percent of your inheritance and then the other half we can invest. And the only thing I registered was diversify your portfolio because Wu Tang said that in this the Chappelle show sketch and I laughed yeah, at that.
1: Yeah, they it. said diversify your bonds, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't say motherfucker. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So but then I think I lost it all. Because I don't remember anything happening of that money. <laughs> that, 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 that half of the inheritance. <laughs> because, like, the crash happened right then. I believe that was 2006 or 2007.
1: You know, I have a 401k and I have two days to get all that money out mm-hmm. without any consequences, so I might work on that tomorrow. Sweet. And, uh, Use that money as my investments, because you know who needs a four hundred one k.
0: This me in this but... <laughs> in this America. Nah, don't even nobody. Don't even worry about it, bro. We're gonna be Mad Maxing here in like I don't know two weeks. Oh, two weeks, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Yeah, something like that. Okay, so. Ah. okay so get it now you get it now the the i i i understand trading places better than i did before thanks to you revealing that triple entendre
1: well that's good yeah that's good um like i don't know what to say i was gonna say like this is a film I'll watch again. Of course, it's a film I'll watch again, but it's not one of those ones that I'm gonna like sneak like go. You know what? It feels like a trading places time. It's like this is one of those like oh, it's on AMC. Yeah, I got an hour and a half.
0: Yeah, it it, it actually this
1: film's like two hours.
0: It cruises though, man. It really fucking cruises. Like it, it, it it's a very uh it's a very digestible two hours.
1: I will tell you that um, I did have to pause the movie like six times, because I live in a yeah, house whoop. with two 60-year-old people oh. that don't understand anything, and we got a new modem today. Right. So
0: New de- new uh, new technology in the house.
1: Yeah, two 60-year-old people mm-hmm. that don't understand, just remember the fucking password, <laughs> or take the paper that I wrote down for you and use that. <laughs>
0: Right, right. Okay. But besides...
1: Or... Or... Here's a little inside to what's happening in my home right now. My mom is on an Amazon fucking spree. She's just giving Bezos money. And she's buying ridiculous shit. And she's ordering it and putting my name on all the labels because she doesn't want my dad to know how much shit she's ordering. Oh. And she has been paying me to lie for her okay today a christmas tree came in and my dad said you bought a christmas tree and i said yes i did (laughs) and then he went and then he went
0: why did you buy a christmas tree (laughs) and
1: the only that's the only thing i could think of i went it was cheap and he went okay but the other thing that she bought That I have no way of explaining, and I'm glad that he didn't see it sitting at the door, was a 7-Eleven-style
0: hot dog roller. What? You got a hot dog roller in your house?
1: We have a hot dog roller in the house. And...
0: Pandy time ends. That's how we get Justin to produce this show
1: hot dog roller next to the microphone (laughs)
0: yeah
1: (laughs) um yeah she ordered a hot dog roller and she saw the box sitting in my room and i went the fuck are you doing and she went what's that and i go what do you mean what is that (laughs) why did you buy a fucking hot dog roller and she said, Oh, they had one at work and it was really cool. And I don't know what to do. That's like how do I lie my way out of this one? How do I lie to my father? Dan, you bought a hot dog roller?
0: I like hot dogs.
1: Yeah. <laughs> gonna... Why why'd you buy a hot dog roller? Well Really miss seven eleven, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't get to go to the Maverick um, too often, so.
1: Listen, he I couldn't say that. He knows I go to the Maverick every day that I work. <laughs>
0: I, it's for fun. I bought it for fun.
1: Yeah. It's just one of those things of like, with the things that I'm known to buy, Yeah, a hot dog roller's not on that list. With the stupid shit my mom's known to buy, a hot dog roller definitely fits that criteria.
0: Maybe. Yeah, I don't know the explanation for it. I think you just have to... In in a scenario like that, where you are lying about why a hot dog roller is here, um, I think your best bet is just to really really push the narrative that you like hot dogs. (laughs) and
1: See, there's an issue with that. Hmm. (laughs) I'm going to end up eating a lot of hot dogs. Yeah. I'm trying to lose weight. (laughs) (laughs) Hot dogs are not conducive to that.
0: No, that's true. Maybe... (laughs) maybe you can use it as like a ward you know like it's like say like oh i i want to sit this in my room and i just like when i wake up in the morning i look at it and i'm like i'm not going to succumb to you you have no power over me hot dogs
1: the world knows about my (laughs) self-control and how it doesn't
0: exist. And just and then of course they, it's like it was also on sale. So Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But, hey, what you you going to tell me what's going to happen in 2021 where you don't need a hot dog roller? You can't fucking predict that.
1: I don't know, man. That's not how I shop. I don't The way I shop is I was like I was like, "Oh, I want to mi-. like the only reasoning that i would buy a hot dog roller is that bryn really liked hot dogs like that and it makes my life easier Mm -hmm. because that's why i buy apparatuses i I bought a electric hot plate that works like a korean barbecue grill because she missed going to korean barbecue Mm. and instead of having to go to a restaurant in pandy time i just said well let's buy our own and do it here
0: yeah makes sense
1: because she would go, well, let's go to a restaurant. It'll be fine. And you know what? After a 30-minute argument, I would give in. Because guess what? It's not worth it to me to have that argument. I'd rather just die of COVID than continue to have that
0: argument. How about you just say it's like a mistake. You were going to buy a novelty miniature hot dog roller to give to your For my action figures. <laughs> <laughs> You wanted Lord uh Draken to have a hot dog roller next to his throne. And this was you didn't read the dimensions on it. It just like it was under the category of you looking for for uh props for miniatures, you know, accessories for miniatures. And the price I was thinking
1: about starting a TikTok where I daily posted a video of Lord Zed spinning on a hot dog roller <laughs> saying someday he'll be done.
0: <laughs> And you just, you know The price made you think it was what it was But here we go This is a full on hot dog roller And that, yeah. You know the, the, the What you would have to go through to return this So Whatever, money spent, doesn't matter We'll find a use for it
1: Yeah <laughs> Um I mean like I don't know what to say Else, like
0: that's I, did you know: I that, think that's, I think that's what's expected of her show. We,
1: did you know that on uh, WGA's 101 funniest screenplays, this movie tied with Ferris Bueller's Day Off?: This
0: is fun. One's
1: directed by a murderer with the other one starring a murderer?)
0: <laughs> okay, hold on. So, the helicopter malfunction? That beheaded that old man and two girls, right? yeah, that wasn't landis's like you know like that was a freak accident,
1: no, it was landis's fault how landis's job they were record they were how how do I do this without sounding like such an asshole um it's his job. To make sure that his people are safe, that his actors are safe on set. Right. Right? Right. He was working them past past union mandated time. They needed to get the shot today to save some kind of money. And he worked those kids past their union time at night, had a tired captain, and the helicopter crashed. It is his fault for wanting to save a dollar.
0: Okay. That's a pretty good point. (laughs) These are details I didn't know. So. But. Mm -hmm.
1: They're still considered accidental deaths. Yeah. But. He violated California child labor laws by keeping them he hired those two kids without the required permits, and
0: I just—why wasn't it a stunt man with like two dummies? You know. I don't know why did they have this like. He, this like fifty-year-old man.
1: He knew that he had to do it late at night, and he didn't go to the labor board to get approval to use the children in the scene. Because he knew that there wouldn't be approval to have young children that late at night with tons of explosives. Uh, He told the casting agents that he casted the kids, that they weren't going to be in that scene. And uh, the producer, George Folsey Jr., told the children's parents not to tell any firefighters on the set that the children were part of the scene and hid them from the fire safety officers. As, who was the children's welfare worker on the set. And the fire safety officer was concerned that all the fake explosions would cause the helicopter to crash. He didn't tell Landis, but he made it known to other people on the set that he thought those explosions would cause the helicopter to crash. So, all of John Landis's violations in that Make that crash his fault, in my
0: opinion. Well, these are a lot of details I didn't know about. I only knew what happened as far as like you know who died, and and how and like why they died. Because like I, you know, I think it was like one of the explosions was just way too close, right, to the yeah. helicopter, and it fucking set it off and or sent it off course and all that and. I don't got a defense here for Mr. Landis. <laughs> that that he's the captain of the ship, and uh, John
1: Landis is still a fucking super millionaire. Yeah, he doesn't need your defense here yeah. on our podcast that yeah, yeah. people pay five dollars <laughs> a month to listen to four episodes, <laughs> like. You're not in you're not in John Landis's circle of people that he's going to cast for his next film. Yeah. You're not in Max Landis's realm. You know.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. You're right, Dan. You're right. You, you...
1: We're not out here trying to be movie stars. We're just out here trying to talk about shit we love. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> um
1: and it's not like we're slandering yeah. because That shit is known in the court of law.
0: That shit happens, man. That shit...
1: Just like Matthew Broderick. Getting drunk. And killing somebody. Yes. In his car. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Well...
1: Who's he married to?
0: Matthew Broderick? Or John Landis? Yeah.
1: Matthew Broderick.
0: Uh... Is she still? Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Are they still together. Let me see.
1: I mean, why not? Yeah, they are. Since ninety seven.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. They're still together. They've been married for fucking twenty three years.
1: It's probably one of the only real marriages in Hollywood.
0: That's a murder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> John Landis is a murderer too But like uh, I don't know I guess Well neither got punished So it's no fucking point These are both rich rich men like you said So you know, the world keeps fucking chugging along
1: Rich white men
0: Yeah just, just, Do you have
1: anything else to say about this film And rich white men
0: um, The movie, watch it The rich white men Eat them And that's about it It's it's um, Both statements Stand by It's a very enjoyable film Like like all seriousness it's a very enjoyable film um, It's a star making film In several ways uh, It holds up i understand i'm like i'm never gonna tell anyone how they should be offended by things and what because you know that's a case case basis and especially especially when it comes to racial slurs you know but um and
1: you know even though it was done by my man dan Aykroyd, i don't find blackface excusable in any situation especially in the 1900s. Yeah, he... especially in the 19 the 80th er, the 80s of the 1900s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so like that scene could fucking die in a fire.
0: Yeah, whoever yeah, like maybe
1: I I hope they never cut it because people need to know that doing that shit is wrong. The history needs to exist you also, so that you also, people know not to repeat it.
0: Yeah, and you also need to know, like, like, like that's, that's different from things that celebrate the stuff opposed to, you know, where it's just in there as a part of it. You know, like, obviously, I'm all for the statues that have been ripped down should be ripped down because history is not going to change without statues that glorify that shit, you know? Uh, this, this should be preserved in the way it is because like you said, um, like you, like you said, it should be remembered and should also show that it wasn't that fucking long ago. You know, like it wasn't that fucking long ago. So it's, it's, this shit has always been here. This shit has always been here. And, you know, like it's only... People say we're becoming so PC and so fucking sensitive. It's like no, we're just not tolerating this shit anymore. You know? It's just been so interwoven into into um, into everything that it's just so nonchalant racism. How it yeah. uh, how it's been portrayed and shit like that, and now we're just finally going like, hey, that's fucked. And to some people. To some people that may seem like we're fucking attacking comedy or losing our sense of humor. But no, man, we're we're just being more being we're just being more aware of the shit. and We're just moving I, along I, as a society and growing as a society. This movie, it wouldn't suffer if that scene was gone, you know, like but like at the same time, that specific detail is pivotal to nothing.
1: Yeah, I mean it's how they get the futures, but also there is a scene where they, uh, you know, tie him up, put tape over his mouth, and then get him raped by a gorilla.
0: <laughs> all, and he also, right <laughs> he also sees right through. He also sees right through. They're all fucking bullshit too, because it's very clearly Dan Aykroyd. Um,
1: <laughs> I think it's the moment that Dan Aykroyd comes in in blackface, and it's to say he's like oh. you could look at it as the commentary that blackface. Never works. Yeah, that is, whether in comedy or in a room.
0: That's what I mean. Like, why it's like not something that should be um villainized is because it is done in a way where it's just like, no, that's fucking stupid and ridiculous. You know, it's like I'm being had here. What the fuck? You know, I just watched Dan Aykroyd walk it walk in in blackface. You need to take it within the context of the you know the premise. It's. Like, I, like, like and
1: honestly, the way that it was going, like you had beaks at tits in his face. <laughs> like they got the, the briefcase at tits in his face. Like they didn't need to take it a step further.
0: Exactly. They didn't. He was, he, he was, he was distracted by Jamie Lee Curtis.
1: <laughs> and her ample bosom.
0: And her ample bosom.
1: Well, I think that that's the end. We've talked a lot about the movie, kind of.
0: Yeah.
1: Not even kind of. We talked a lot about the movie.
0: We did. I mean there's like like you said, it's a more factual podcast because
1: You can't do anything about a funny movie. Yeah. The Yeah, I I think we talked more about the movie in this one than we have talked about a movie since sidekicks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah yeah um <laughs> uh that's a product of it like we said being a funny film and there's not much we can Im- there's there's not like you know it's not a film where you can mystery science theater or whatever and like improve no it's brilliant it's incredibly fucking funny we're not gonna bring anything beyond this level that it has, so that's that. But, also, and, it's straight, it's like pretty fucking topical, you know, like and, it's just a... and
1: I'm gonna be honest with you, I've listened to a lot of podcasts about coming to America, which has a lot of the you go over a lot of the same information because it's John Landis and Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. so because I have like Wizard and the Bruisers and Page Sevens and a lot of other podcasts that go over the history of some of these movies that they're stuck in my head. Like I'm sure blank checks done a John Landis.
0: No, they haven't. They actually haven't done a John Landis series. I don't know if that's, you know, their own personal choice or what, or maybe they have, they're the same opinion. as like, or the same uh, feeling we are where it's like, how the fuck am I going to talk about blues brothers and make it, more of a presence than Blues Brothers. How am I going to talk about Animal House and make make it funnier? More of a presence than Animal House, you know. Maybe mm. maybe they just have this podcast formula f- figured out well before we did <laughs> or have.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like I'm on their Twitter right now, and back in 2019, they made a whole long thread about how much his son Max Landis sucks. Mm. So they probably won't touch John Landis or Max Landis. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, bam! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to our show. We hope you had a great New Year's celebration. Thank you for ringing in the first of this year with us. Uh, getting through your hangovers if you drank a lot to forget <laughs> the year that you had. Uh, if you, if you just were like. Oh, the boys made something. I got to listen to that. That's dope, too. Yeah.
0: bring um, Cutthroat era, too sweet for that. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. For sure.
0: Yeah. Because I don't, I honestly don't see the appeal of opening up your favorite podcatcher. And you see a new episode and you have a horrible hangover. I don't know if anyone would want to hear my voice in their ears during that tumultuous time. <laughs> but if you are. You are built of fucking steel.
1: So I'm just going to preface this with there might be an episode next week because it's Wrestle Kingdom. I, Freddie, we may have time to record, right?
0: Yeah, we may. But like you said, I it's... mean,
1: our intentions are to record a podcast, but it is Wrestle Kingdom week which is all-encompassing, yeah. and uh, we turn our schedules into degenerate schedules. Freddie has been on a degenerate schedule for months now.
0: Mm, I have. I mean, let's see, uh, the first night, if, if you get nappy naps in, we may be able to bang it out, you know, like a couple hours before the show starts, if you would be down for that.
1: I don't know about my work schedule. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm going to ask for the days off, mm-hmm. but that means nothing in the world of the comic book store. Right. So, Wrestle, yeah, Wrestle there's Kingdom,
0: Yeah, Wrestle Kingdom is upon us. So, just...
1: so, we have intentions of making an episode, but... There is a slight chance that there will be no episode, but that means a future week in January will have two episodes. Yeah, that's all. So we'll make it up to you. It just might not be on Friday. And that's that's just that. Um, Thank you to Rainer for the use of our theme song. This is the only place to listen to that original theme song. Now this week what I want you to do because it's a new year I want to try a whole new thing. I want you to stand on the rooftop of your home. Penis in the wind. Shout Rainer. Your penis doesn't have to be in the wind. I don't want you to get arrested.
0: If you don't got, But I do
1: want you on at I want you at least above the first floor of your home. Standing on the roof yelling Rainer, I also want you to say loved this show when we were kids. Like that's what I want. Okay? That's how we're promoting Rainer this week. Thank you. In the new year. That's 2021's Rainer promotion. Thank you. If your neighbor tells you to shut up, that's when you start yelling power play through, power play through and you just say it over and over again. Like I want you to get into that mindset of you being poppy of like when people look at her and she just goes i'm poppy i want you to just shout our theme song into people's faces i want you to give someone in their 70s a heart attack because they think that you're having a mental breakdown you're just screaming power playthrough into there and it has to get incrementally more aggressive Okay.
0: Have you seen that that's, that that uh, episode of Reno Nine One One where Stephen Little thinks he's from the future and he's like all fucking coked out? No, I, I don't know how. I'm sure. Wait,
1: actually, I'm sure I have.
0: <laughs> that's all I can picture is screaming. Just well, I mean, no drugs are involved because we're your drug, but <laughs> just dick out screaming power playthrough like Stephen Littlewood that is your command word that is your word of power
1: for 2021 that's what we want from you
0: let let them know you love the show we're kids and uh, Rainer (laughs) uh, Rainer brought you to this brink of madness yes
1: you know the socials follow us on the socials if you don't um Freddie, do you have anything for the the outro? Other than make sure you watch some Brody Lee. Yeah, that's th- put a fist in the air for the man.
0: Yeah, this is for the Dark Order here on out. Yeah, this is for the Dark Order, y'all. And I th- yes, think that's join true. the
1: Dark Order. Yeah, I have my hand up the way they do in the Claw. Yeah. in solidarity. Them. Currently, yeah,
0: got it up. Put that up.
1: And I guess there's only one way to end the show today. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Wake up, your